The greatest hits as we speak in your mind, you're thinking of lyrics or a line from your favorite movie or TV show because in some way they've impacted you. Whether it was the beat of the song or the lyric or the memory that you connect to that specific song. Maybe it was a line that made you laugh until you cried. Or maybe it articulated something that you had only felt, but someone else found the words to express it. I grew up in a family of all girls. I have four sisters, and getting ready to leave the house was a task in and of itself. This was one thing, there was this one thing that took priority. Who could get to the car first to claim control over the music? Who could change the station before mom got in the car? Our hope was that we could convince her to leave the station that we so desperately wanted to listen to. You see, my mom, a lovely, Jesus-loving woman, was committed to only filling her mind with positive Christian music, as the radio slogan said. And she wished the same for us. You see, this battle to change the station, this challenge that we faced to convince her to keep our preference of music playing was about 50-50. And then, this one day, I was walking into the house, I heard music playing loud. It was in sync, blaring loudly from the kitchen. And I imagined that it was my sister's. And I got to the door, and I like peeked through the window. You wouldn't believe it. It was my mom rocking out to in sync. Bye, bye, bye. She got all of the moves. It was amazing. <laughs> you see, she was filled with joy. She danced like nobody was watching. You see, a hit is a hit because it casts an impression, known and sometimes unknown. Through this series of The Greatest Hit, the Book of Psalms, we're uncovering this idea, this well-known concept that words have power. Sometimes those words, they inspire us. Sometimes they shape us. And sometimes they hurt us. Sometimes they cause us discomfort and even aggravation. The book of Psalms is a collection of songs, poems, and prayers. And it's written, to pe written by people who were inspired by God to describe moments, feelings, thoughts, and movements designed to leave a great impression. A book of greatest hits. One of my most favorite Bible teachers, her name is Christy McClellan. I've learned so much from her. She begins every talk, well, nearly every talk, with this statement. We don't just read the Bible, we interact with it. By reading God's word, 
we know who God is, what he's like, and how we can walk with him. Isn't that true? The book of Psalms, a series of 150 poems, prayers, and hymns. It has a variety of authors, King David, Moses, Solomon. There are a few familiar names, but many of the authors, in fact, are anonymous. Today, we're going to read Psalm 1. In Psalm 1, the author is said to be anonymous. The book of Psalms is designed to express upon God's people this lifelong practice of prayer. Prayer that supports the navigation of our life. It speaks into the moments where we're striving to keep God's commands. You know, God knew we weren't going to do it perfect. You see, if you take any time in God's word, you're going to see everybody in the Bible who didn't do it perfect. But he gave us a guide. Psalm chapter 1 is an intro that communicates, blessed are those who meditate on the law. The law is the first five books of the Old Testament. In Hebrew, it's called the Torah. Psalm 1 says that those that meditate on it day and night are blessed. Meditation is prayerfully reading scripture and being open to it changing you and giving you the courage you need to obey what God is telling you. Today we're going to do just that. We're going to meditate together on Psalm 1. This may be a bit of a different approach for you. Maybe you've never read God's word like this, but that's okay. We're going to do it all together. I want to invite you first to open your heart, to open your mind to what Jesus wants to say to you this morning and through our time together in Psalm 1. So at various points of our time together, I'm going to pause and I'm going to invite you to stop and pray silently. I'm going to invite you to reflect for a few moments by asking a question, or I may even encourage you to change your posture so that you can experience God in a different way. If you have your Bibles, hard copy like I do, or if you have it electronically on your phone, I want to encourage you to open up to Psalm 1. Psalms is in the Old Testament, And if you open your Bible, it's right in the center. I also want to encourage you to have something to write with, whether it's a pen or if you want to use your notes app. Not because I'm going to say something profound, but I believe that God is going to, and I don't want you to miss it. Join me as we prepare our hearts to hear from Jesus this morning. Dear Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you into this space. We welcome you 
into our seat right where we are. We welcome you into the situations that we're facing. We welcome you into the past and we welcome you into the future. This morning, we want to set your words on our hearts. Would you remove any and all distraction? Holy Spirit, would you guide us and make us tender to your guidance? Give us courage when we may need it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 1 reads, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 1 is a poem. It's a poem presenting us two ways of living. A living where we make all the decisions, we follow our own way, and we allow the culture in which we live and the world around us to dictate our decisions and the ways in which we live. Or the way of God, the way of our creator, the way of our king and our savior. Psalm says, those who walk in the way of the wicked stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of scoffers. They're simply people living by the world's standards, by the world's values. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just for a moment, think about verse 1. Asking yourself, who are my companions? Do they guide me? Do they encourage me to love and obey God's teachings? Verse 2 says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Law, the word law, is often misinterpreted because God is not referring to a list of things that we should do and the things that we should not do. He's referring to the first five books of the Bible. Earlier, we said that it's called the Torah. These books explain to Israel how to understand who they were and who God was and how to live a full and a flourishing life regardless of our background, gender, or economic status, this life is available to each of us because we are blessed 
by design. I often find it helpful to compare scripture from one translation to another. I find that it helps me process. If I'm stuck on a thought or I can't get past a certain word or phrase, this helps me think outside of that particular thought by using different words. And it helps me internalize God's word. Some of the other words that are used to be used to describe the joy of the Lord is being blessed, to be fortunate, to be favored. Again, we often think that being blessed is a blessing that requires riches. But instead, being blessed is the promise of greater maturity, a fuller understanding, and a deeper awareness of the presence of God. Take a moment. How does this change the way you feel about what it means to be blessed? Being blessed is not getting what you want. It's not becoming wealthy. And it doesn't even promise safety. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you to value what God values. Remember, we need, when we read the Bible, we don't just read, we interact. The law of God is not to control us or take away our fun. His law, his teachings, his statutes are designed to revive us, to refresh us, to protect us, to fill us up. God's commands are this lighted pathway forward. His teachings awaken our heart and protect us from the enemy. I, I saw this illustration and it was so impactful to me that I wanted to share it with you today. There's a Jewish, Jewish practice that re rabbis visit kindergartens. And as a part of their teaching, they spread out a piece of wax paper and they pour out a jar of honey. Yeah, this could get a little messy, but I tried to prepare. pour out a jar of honey and then they invite the children to come forward and they invite them to dip their finger in the honey and to taste it. It's a physical reminder that the law of God is sweet like honey. That the living word of God is similar to the taste, the sweetness, the smooth beauty of honey. His commands and his promises are referred to in Psalm 19 as worth more than gold and sweeter than honey. I want you to close your eyes and, and imagine this 
big pool of honey here. Imagine yourself dipping your finger in and remember what the taste of honey is. How does this change the way you think of God's law? The word delight is also used in describing how we are to respond to God's commands, to his promises, to his law. It's a response from our heart to the beauty and value of something or someone. But you see, meditation involves careful and intentional thought. It takes effort. It's a choice. Loving God's law does not come naturally to anyone. It's not a human quality to love God's law. But he says, when we meditate on his words, when we meditate on his promises and his commands, we are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. As you breathe in, let the Holy Spirit right now fill you with his peace. Every one of us has seen a sunset, a tree, a river, an ocean, a mountain. Those things don't have a voice. They don't speak out loud. Yet the glory of God is communicated through their existence. The word of God often speaks loudly and clearly in our hearts and minds. You see, we're taught the word of God, and we listen to it, and we absorb it, we take it in. But do we taste it? Psalm 19 reminds us that every word is true. And every word can be trusted. Trees by the riverside. I have a picture here that I want to show you. This is right here, in, right next to our St. Lawrence River. It's so beautiful. I love, I love this picture. <laughs> but trees by the riverside, even when the, water, when the riverbed is dry, they have water deep beneath the dry surface that a deeply rooted tree can draw from that water. Other trees planted elsewhere, they struggle in the drought, but the tree that is right by the riverside will stand strong. A tree's root system performs several different functions. In the winter, it stores its essential nutrition. that's need for it to produce fruit and foliage in the spring. Roots also absorb and transport water and minerals, those vital things that they need to grow to the rest of the tree. And roots act as an anchor, just as the words of God are an anchor to our soul. 
the life force of the life source of blessing. Before creation, God already knew that this was his plan. He already planned how he was going to nourish the trees and how he was going to nourish our souls because we are blessed by design. All my life I've lived around trees. I've been around trees. My family owns a lumber company. I've also lived in a variety of places, all notable by their beautiful trees. Sometimes something, something familiar can take on a new meaning. I'm overwhelmed by the strength and the size of a tree and its beauty. But the significance that draws me to a tree has only been made clear recently. In our backyard, we have several trees, but I do have a favorite. It's a maple, and I have a picture of my, my maple tree. I love watching this tree. I love watching it go through every season. For a while, I called it my spot, and I put a table and chair underneath there. As it was shady, and it was cool, it was quiet. I could enjoy a coffee, I could think, I could pray, I could even watch Samuel play from that space. I admire this tree through every season. When I see my tree, and when I see any tree, I now see God's strength. I see his beauty in every season of my life. And what I've identified is that that same strength, that same beauty that we see in God's creation in that tree, that belongs to us. That is mine when I'm rooted in the word of God. When I'm in a posture to receive, when my hands are wide open, when I'm listening, when I'm taking time to let his word soak into the depths of who I am, he makes me brave to take steps forward. When we know Jesus, it is his desire that each of us read his word like we're a son, like we're a daughter. His living word is meant to be read with confidence and to find pure contentment because we are no longer lost. We are not fatherless. We are children of a living, breathing God. And his word promises to revive us, to renew us, and to refresh us. When we hear his words and we experience them, we know the incredible privilege of belonging to God. Verse 4 tells us, but the wicked, they are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. Chaff is this outer covering of grain, wheat, or corn. It's, it's lifeless. It has, has no weight, and it easily blows away in the wind, and that's just a picture to give you an image of what chaff looks like. Chaff is disconnected. It's barely there at all. It's dry, and it produces nothing. 
Would you just take a moment as you look at that verse, as you process it, picture the wickedness in your life that may be blown away like chaff. What is left remaining? Verse 5, it says, They will condemn at the time of judgment. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. And verse verse 6 says, For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. This is God's promise to me and to each and every one of you. Whether you're here on site or you're watching online, This is God's promise to you. The Hebrew word here is not simply a general term of care, like a blanket care clause. It indicates personal care. It's not just a, I'll keep my eye on them. Not at all. It's a loving, attentive, and personal protection and care. When we meditate and soak in the words of God, his word tells us what is of truth. His words silence the enemy. They heal the broken parts of our heart. And they give us peace. Last week, my son Samuel and I, we were driving to school and in our morning routine is that we pray together And often we sing a song or two. It's typically his favorite song, which is the chorus of Raise a Hallelujah. And sometimes my God is so big or the joy, joy, joy down in my heart because Satan sits on attack, if you remember. It's his favorite part. But we've had a full few weeks and we've missed a few days praying and singing together. So he asked, Mom, can we please sing together before I go into school? I was like, yeah, sure. What song do you want to sing? And so he said, I want to sing the Joy, 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 which wasn't a surprise. And I said, well, why do you want to sing? And he said, because I feel like those words get inside of me. And my my thoughts and my heart is calm. We are blessed by design. The word of God was given to his people as a feast that is intended and designed to experience together like you and I are doing today. Just like we eat a meal, we take time to savor its taste. We chew on it. We digest our food. The design of God's word is to become a living part of who we are. That each verse that we read, each part of his word, would heal the broken pieces. In my own life, I have been walking through a season where Jesus is healing parts of me. 
these places of my heart where there once occupied a deep-rooted lie and spots that had been overcome with doubt and fear. And in this healing, those spots have reopened. I'm in this place where every moment I spend in God's word, I experience his words like I never read them before, even verses I've read a thousand times before. I can feel his words nestling deep into the cracks of my soul and rooting themselves. This is a new experience. It's often unfamiliar and, to be honest with you, a little uncomfortable. But you see, this is not just for me. This is a part of the journey Jesus has me on. I'm not anything special, I'm just me. But I believe that God wants that for each and every one of us. He wants to bring us to a new place. He wants us to soak in his words and truly understand them so that they are a part of us, so our hearts can be full of peace and our minds can be calm and clear. As we close our time together, I want you to picture, close your eyes and picture a strong, healthy tree. It's swaying gently next to the river. Its branches are offering shade. And this tree produces the sweetest of fruit. The air is clearer and cleaner because of this tree. As you breathe in, focus on this tree is you, rooted in God's word day and night, strong, solid, and supported in every season, fed by streams of water, not because of your efforts, but because the efforts and the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus took every wrong thing, every wrong thought, every sinful action, he took it upon himself when he died on the cross. And the most amazing miracle is that he did not stay dead. He rose and he is in heaven waiting for us. What if this week we opened our Bibles? Maybe it's been a while. What if we opened our Bibles and we committed to spending some intentional time reading his words? Maybe this is a regular practice for us to open our Bibles and to read. But what if we shifted our minds, the way we think about reading? What if we opened up our palms and we were ready to receive and to think, to slow down and to listen, focusing our attention on feasting on God's word rather than just studying his word. I don't know about you, but I naturally enjoy eating more than I enjoy studying. But what if we focused on feasting on his words this week? Our final question today is, 
What is your current relationship with God's word? What is the living God teaching you today, in this moment, in your circumstance? What is he showing you about who you are and who he is? I invite you to just take a moment and to pray silently, and then I will close our time together. Dear Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you gave us pictures and images to help us fully understand. We thank you that your words taste like honey. We thank you that you provide streams of living water In this moment, I want to invite you to to welcome the Holy Spirit to fill you with peace. Holy Spirit, give us a love, a genuine love for your word, for your teachings. Provide us the space this week. Provide us the focus, distraction-free environments, whether it's 10 minutes or two hours. Would you provide us a space to spend time with you? Would you draw us close? Would you remind us that you've designed us for blessing? Even if it feels awkward to read the Bible in a different way, would you give us the courage we need to try something new? Thank you for your living and breathing word. We trust you, and we ask you to transform our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.